This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. How you doing? We are in a series called Gifted, and really this comes in a stream of what we've been learning through this year. We started the, the year with a series called Be Filled, and I don't know if you realize this, but it's good news that we can be filled with something other than ourselves, right? We can be filled with something other than anger or hate, and the Bible actually encourages us that we need to, as we open up this this kind of stream of a relationship with God, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we talked about that. And then we, we looked in, in, in this last series called Friends. We actually looked at this simple idea that Jesus called the Holy Spirit the friend. And out of the, the relationship that God's given us with the Holy Spirit, we see a pattern for healthy friendship and Man, over the last several months, God has really been up to something. And so we're in a series now called Gifted. And it's really trying to intentionally lean into this reality that God has spiritual gifts for us that come out of our relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very first verse says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so I told this last week, and just said, just real simply, most of us, if we're just honest, we're uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. And so what we wanted to do is actually just take a moment and, and really kind of dive into the gifts that the Holy Spirit has to give us and, and, and just deal with that so that we're not uninformed about what the Bible has told us about that. And as we open this, I gave you last week a, a simple definition of a spiritual gift, that a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability from God gifted to each of his children to advance his purposes in this world. And so just to make that clear, leave that up there for a second. It's a supernatural ability. This is not an innate giftedness or aptitude. This is not something you were born with. This is often something that God gives you in response to, to weakness. And he gives you in response to opportunity that God gives birth to. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And it's given for the purpose of advancing his kingdom, not mine. It, it, this is not about my kingdom. This is about the kingdom of God. And so I can can honestly say this for every person in this room. God wants to give you spiritual gifts. He wants that for you. He wants your life to be enriched, your witness to be elevated. He wants your home to be blessed by the presence of spiritual gifts. The Bible actually encourages us to desire spiritual. Did you know that? That the, the Bible actually says to, and let's go there. We're going to go to this chapter a lot today, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially, pro why? Why? 
why the prophetic? Well, okay, so if I'm following in the way of love, and, and early on in the church, the church was actually called the way. It was just, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so Christians just would say, I, I'm following the way. I'm following the way. So why is it that we're encouraged out of that to, to actually say, if, if I'm going to follow the way of love, what I need to do is not only desire spiritual gift, but but why the prophetic? In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit first falls, you know, Jesus is executed on the cross. He raises to new life. He spends 40 days with the disciples. And all the t- he's been saying, listen, the Holy Spirit, I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit can come. So he ascends, wait here in Jerusalem, pray, be together, be in unity. And then Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls. And if you pay attention to what the 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 kind of sermon preached by Peter comes out. He quotes the prophet Joel from the Old Testament in Acts 2, verse 17. And he says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters. This is so subversive to the culture of first century that that your sons and your daughters will prophesy, not just the guys. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Today, we're going to look at the spiritual gift of prophecy, the prophetic gift. And, and I, I think it's just sometimes it's easier to start and define something by talking about what it is not, okay? And so I, I'm going to just give you a few simple ideas today around the prophetic that are very, very important. And number one, that's this. If you're taking notes, this is in your notes. The prophetic gift is not used exclusively to predict the future, if you if you look in the Bible, a lot of times we, we think about this that 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 a prophet can tell me what's going to happen in the future. It's probably the most common cultural understanding of the prophetic that that a prophet can predict the future. And and there there are people like Nostradamus that that are culturally kind of hailed as prophets when they written wrote like literally millions of things that they would predict about the future. And they go, well, that kind of looks like that one thing. And and while if you look in the, the canon of scripture there is the prediction. God's prophets in the Old Testament did predict the future. It's really actually contextually a small part of what they wrote. Much of what they wrote, they wrote and said was directed to their people. If God's saying, if you don't turn away from that, you're going to suffer. And, and, and Jeremiah was actually called the weeping prophet because he had so much compassion in those messages to his people that he would cry. He, would just, he was just so compassionate. God, God would ask Hosea to, to marry Gomer, who was a prostitute. And it was a prophetic act. God was saying, look, this is what you are like. You are like a prostitute. You are, you're, you're trying, and, and all of the while, God is speaking through those. It's not exhaustively and exclusively predicting the future. And here's the second thing that I just want to make this point about the prophetic. The prophetic gift is not a spoken word that creates my reality. Now, the the prophetic actually does focus a lot on what we speak, okay? So it does have to deal with that. 
But there is kind of a, a misapplication of the power of our words that would say that our words create our reality. And, and, it, and it might come from uh, Proverbs 18, verse 2, that says the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. And then if you go back to Genesis 1, and in Genesis 1, there, there is nothing, and God speaks out of nothing something, and then there, there's no light, and God says, let there be light. So God, through the creation account in Genesis 1, God speaks the world as we know it into existence. And so God has this creative power with what he speaks. He speaks it into existence. Now, it just bears to, to just kind of talk about this up front, that, that there are certain things that we call the attributes of God. And some of those things God shares with us. For example, um, God is, is love. John makes that so clear in his letters. God is love. If you want to understand love, look at God. That is love. And God loves us, and he shares his love with us so that we can love others. Right? It, it's, that is, in, in theological language, that is a communicable attribute of God. He shares it with us. But there are attributes of God. There are things that are about him that are exclusively about him. God is all-powerful. I know that I am not. God is omnipresent, which means that not only is he here in this room with us, but he is forward in the future and there in the past. God is everywhere. I mean, God doesn't share. I, I'm, I'm limited to being right here, right now with you guys. God doesn't share that. And one of the things that God does not share with me is the ability for my words to create and I'm thankful for that because I don't know about you, but there have been times I've said some things that I did not want to come into existence, you know? And as a matter of fact, we can probably all identify with that. James 3 says this about you and me. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So I, I want you to understand up front about the prophetic. This is not me speaking things into existence. You cannot speak things into existence, but your words, please hear me out. Your words can bring life or death to what God is creating in your own life. They, they do hold that power. Not creative, but I can, I can bring life to it. And that's really kind of this reality that we need to kind of start from, that I'm not God. You are not God. I, I don't, there are things about my life that I'm limited with. I don't know everything. I don't see everything. I don't understand everything. I am not God. And this posture of humility is required for the prophetic. We have to approach this from the posture that says, I need you, God. I, I need you. My family needs you. My kids need you. My marriage needs you. I need you in my life, God, that I can't make it without you. I can't make it. I need your, your words. You know, when Jesus was tempted by, by, by the devil, he, his response to the very first temptation was, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I, that, that's that humility of, I, I need this in my life. 
I want you to think about this question. Why is it so important? Why in 1 Corinthians 14, a chapter that is really devoted to the spiritual gifts, why does it say up front that we should desire spiritual gifts and the, the prophetic? Why is that so? I want you to think about why this is so important with this simple idea. What if your life was filled with the voice of God? What, what if tomorrow morning you woke up and, and, and like a radio or a Bluetooth speaker over your house, the, the voice of God was speaking, I, I, I see you. I want you to know that I have good things for you today. I'm, I'm going to use you today. This is not a day that happened on accident. For eternity, I have prepared an opportunity, opportunities for you today. I, I, I'm so excited about what we get to do together. Uh, imagine if, if when you sat down to have dinner with your family, literally the voice of God spoke over your family. Kids, you have purpose. God made you on purpose for a purpose and and, and, and he is working in you right now. What, what if literally when, when you went to work and you were with your, your, your coworkers and your employees and your bosses, the, the voice of God just filled the conversations and, and you were just like, God's just speaking over your company. You know what? Today, you might not make a lot of sales, but I've got divine appointments for you today. There are people that I have aligned in eternity to come in contact with you today. What, what if when you got got together with your friends, you sat down and God's just speaking over you guys. You know what? This is not just some average meeting of a couple people. This is not just about a good time. I want you to both know that there's eternal significance in this moment. I have death. What if your life was filled with the voice of God? This is why this is so important. The prophetic gift allows us to speak God's words into the lives of people we love, lead, and live with. So I told you what the prophetic gift is not. Let me just simply tell you what the prophetic gift is. Number one, it's speaking for God. It is speaking for God. The, the Bible uses this metaphor, the body of Christ, to talk about how God has gifted each one of us differently. Some of us are the hands, and some of us are the feet. Some of us are the eyes. The, the prophet, the prophetic gift, allows somebody to be the mouth, to speak on behalf, not just on behalf of God, but to literally speak the words of God. That, that idea is found here in 2 Peter verse 1 where it says, Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That through the, the giftedness and the presence of the Holy Spirit, God reveals, interprets, and shares through. This is God speaking His words through our mouths. And I, I just need to, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm going to arm you a little bit with that. 
but we also got to do a little bit of the gun safety with this, okay? And so this, is, this second point is so very important, that the prophetic gift is most often used to encourage and strengthen other believers. I, I think that there's maybe sometimes this understanding that, that if I would have this gift, that I, I could read somebody's mail. I could be a little bit like Jesus when he's talking to the woman at the well. No, you don't have a husband. You've been married four times, and the guy you're living with right now is not you. We kind of think that that's how it's going to be for us. But in the Bible, especially in the context of the New Testament, the the prophetic gift was used to, to strengthen and encourage other believers. In Acts 15, the, the church is encountering a big decision. It's kind of growing, and there's some things that are changing about the church, and they, they make a big decision about how they're going to handle something. And they got to send people out to tell people about it, and they choose two guys, a guy named Judas, not the Judas who betrayed Jesus, another guy, and a guy named Silas who would later become a, a companion to the Apostle Paul. And this is the first time we see it. And look at what it says about them. Judas and Silas who themselves were prophets, said much to what? Encourage and strengthen the believers. To encourage and strengthen the believers. I told you we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14 a lot today. Verse 3 out of that says this. This is so just succinct for us. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their, here's the three purposes, for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. For their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And I don't know about you, but I need some people in my life who, who speak some things into my life that bring strength and bring encouragement and bring comfort. And I, I can say this for me. I want to be the kind of person that shows up with somebody and I've got something to say that's going to encourage them, that's going to give them strength, that, that they might be in a, a season of mourning, but I've got something for them that's going to bring comfort. That, that is what the prophetic gift does. That's the whole purpose. It is to build people up, not tear people down. And so this is something that literally the the Bible wants for you. This is, I mean, when you look at this in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the church that's really not using the gifts of the Spirit very well. There's some confusion around tongues. And he says this in verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but look at this, but I would rather have you prophesy. In in other words, he's saying, if I could pick a gift, we know that God's got a lot of gifts, but but if I could pick one for you, if I could just say "There's, there's one thing that I would want for you, it's this, that you would be somebody who could speak the word of God into somebody else's life in a way that it would encourage them, strengthen them, and comfort them. Later on, he's given very practical advice later in the chapter. In verse 31, he says this, you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. This is a remarkably inclusive clause in the original text. You can all do this. All right? You can all. In other words, this is not just for a select few. What Peter said, Peter said, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, your sons 
and your daughters will prophesy. Your men and your women will prophesy. And this, Paul's saying, so you can all do this. You can all, it's a gift, but you can all get, I want you to all have this gift. So let's get real practical today. Can we talk just real practical about how this works? How does the prophetic gift work? And I'm going to tell you in three, just three steps, and then we're going to go back and, and specifically look at those individually. Number one, how does it work? God reveals himself to us. God shows us something. God reveals and then number two, we interpret. Because when God reveals himself to us, it's not always clear what he's saying. Unfortunately for us, God does not exhaustively speak English, okay? And sometimes the, the journey towards understanding is a part of what God is initiating in our lives when he begins to speak to us. So God reveals, we interpret, and then number three, we share. We share. God, God shows me something. I, I, I figure out what he's showing me, and then I share it with the people that he's showing me to share it with. So we can go back through each of those, and then we're going to wrap this up. Number one, how does God reveal his words to us? Number one, God reveals his words through his word. You're going to find that there is a strong connection between listening to the voice of God and knowing his word. There is a strong connection. It's going to be real hard for us to be people who can speak on behalf of God if we do not know his word. I would go so far as to say that God's primary mode of speaking to us is through his word. Some of y'all might have questions. I don't know what to do about, about this situation in my life. It might be parenting. Have you looked into what the Bible says about parenting? I don't know what to do financially. Have you looked at what the Bible says to do financially? I don't want to know. I don't really know what to do in my friendships. Have you looked at what the Bible says to do in your friendships? The, the primary way that God speaks into our lives is through his word. Second Timothy, Paul was writing his young protege and he's talking about the Bible and how important it is. And he says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So in other words, we read the Bible and the Bible reads me. The Bible shows me what's wrong with me. The Bible, I, I don't read the Bible and try to fit it into my life. The Bible reads me as I read it. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. We got to know the Bible. Some of us got some big questions about our lives. And the real big question is, have you exhausted the context of the Bible and the counsel of God's word in the question that you have? Or have you been using Google or Mama? We need to go to God's word. This is why this is so important when we start talking about, about listening to God. Because God's voice will never contradict his word. I'm going to say that again. God's voice in our lives is not going to contradict his word. I'm going to give you a few examples of that. I'm going to give you a few examples, okay? 
Here's one. Every once in a while, it doesn't happen a lot around here. I'm very th- we have a very loving community, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of that. This is a fun church to lead. But every once in a while, somebody get a little mad and send me a mean email, okay? Every once in a while, okay? It'll happen. And it always starts, the meanest things said in church start with these words, God told me to. And you want to know what? I can promise you, God did not tell you to send me that email. You want to know why I know God didn't tell you? Because the word of God, Jesus is teaching about conflict. And he says, if you have something with somebody else, this is how you deal with it. You go sit down and you talk to them. You get face to face and you talk it out. So when somebody says God told no, he didn't. Because the, the counsel of the word of God already says something different. In the past several years, I've heard people say, you know what? I, I just, I'm worshiping God from home. I, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't really need the church for my, for my relationship with God. You know what? God didn't say that. You know why? In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, let us not forsake meeting together as so many of us have. But let us come together to encourage one another. The Bible clearly places a priority on being together with other believers. If you, you can say that, but that's not God, okay? God's word is always, his voice in our life is always gonna align to his word. So how does God speak to us? God's words come to us through his word. I promise you, if you'll get in the Bible, every once in a while you're gonna be studying and God's gonna go, I want you to share that verse with somebody. That's gonna encourage them. You let them know that, that, I, that, that right now I see that verse in them. Tell them that. That's going to encourage them. It's going to strengthen them. It's important. But the only way God's going to do that is if you know his word. Then number two, God reveals himself. He reveals his words through what I would call our spiritual senses and then impressions. Spiritual senses and impressions. You are a body, Okay. And in this body, we have senses. But you are also a spiritual person. In this body, we have five senses. I can see, I can hear, I can taste, I can smell, and I can touch. Your physical body has senses. Your spiritual person has senses. Did you know that the the Bible literally talks this language? In, in Acts 2, when Peter says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, he says, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. What's he's, You're going to see something that you don't see. It's spiritual. You're going to see something in the spirit that you don't see in the natural. I mean, think about it with hearing. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, Jesus said this one time, whoever has ears, let him hear. You, you want to know something? Everybody had ears. Literally. Every, just like in this room, you all have ears. He's not just talking about physically. Like, no, I, I want you to hear this beyond those ears, beyond that mind, into that spirit. I want what I say to penetrate beyond your head, into your heart, into your spirit, man. And 
if you think about senses, right, everything we've ever come to know, we came to know through our senses. I, I read it, I saw it, I felt it, I heard it. I, same thing happens with our spiritual senses. There'll be things in your life you will know. God showed me, I saw that. I heard that. I, I know it. God spoke to me. But there will also be times that it won't be that clear. That you'll have what I'll call a spiritual impression. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I sense something. In Acts 27, the Apostle Paul is about to set sail. Uh, and he's actually going on a ship. They're going to travel around the Mediterranean to Rome. He's about to be put on trial. And he pulls the sailors together at the beginning of Acts 27. And he says this, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Notice he said, he didn't say I know it. And he didn't say I know. I, I, I believe it. I just kind of sense this. I kind of sense that this is coming up. And sometimes when God reveals himself to you, it's in that way. It, it's a sense. I just kind of sense that God is, I don't know it. And so after God reveals, our job then becomes to interpret. And it doesn't take a lot of looking around to recognize that we can misinterpret what God has shown us. The last two years, have been an embarrassing season as a follower of Jesus Christ. Filled with so many people, with so many different perspectives, saying, God showed me this is going to happen, this and this and this. And you want to know what? It's real easy to misinterpret what God reveals. Can I just, I'm going to give you three ways that we can easily misinterpret when God is showing us something. Here's the first one. We rely primarily on our own opinions and perspectives. Please listen to me. You got to decide for yourself what matters, my way or God's way. Uh, it, it, which one is the fixed, like, which one is the fixed institute in my life? I, I'm, I'm, if my way is fixed, I'm not bending or changing it, but if God's way is fixed, my way is going to have to adapt to God's way. And I can tell you this, if you decide ahead of time that my way, my perceptions, my thoughts, my opinions, that is what's fixed, you will try to fit what God shows you into your own opinions. And there's been too many of us trying to do that. Believer and follower of Jesus Christ simply says, God, it's all about you, everything else. All right, your way, my way is, is up for grabs. Your way is not. I'm gonna follow you. How else can we misinterpret? Number two, we allow offense to corrupt our hearts with bitterness. I, there, there's a lot of ways that, that we can misinterpret, but I really felt like this weekend I needed to hit this one. Y'all listen to me, okay? In life, offense, okay, offense is guaranteed. Offense, you are going to have opportunities. Right? Offense, there are going to be people who do things that hurt your feelings, who say things that hurt your feelings. Offense is guaranteed. Offended is a choice. Okay? 
Offended is a, it's a choice you make. And when you make that choice, here's what happens. Then there, the Bible calls it a root of bitterness begins to grow in your heart. And when that root of bitterness grows in your heart, it will start to corrupt everything in your heart. And when you peer out, you will peer out of your heart through a lens of bitterness. And that will taint, it will literally corrupt everything that you try to understand. How do we misinterpret? We allow offense to corrupt our hearts with bitterness. And then number three, we tolerate habitual sin. And when you tolerate habitual sin, it will affect your judgment. Tolerating habitual sin will affect your judgment. There are some of you, God has said no to some things. God said, no, don't do that. And you kept doing it. God said, I don't want you to stop that. And you keep, here's the thing. The longer you stay in something that God has told you no about, God spoke no over that, what happens is your heart begins to harden in that. And it becomes harder and harder and harder to sense, feel, and understand the voice of God. So how do we do this the right way? How do we interpret what God reveals to us? Number one, interpret God's revelation, what God's shown me, through the word of God. When God is speaking to me, remember, God is not going to say something to me that doesn't align with the word of God. And so what I've got to be able to do is to come back to the word of God and go, where does this find agreement in the counsel of scripture? God, I feel like you're telling me this and I want to speak this over my kids. God, I sense that you're saying this for my friend, but where does the counsel of God in the scriptures find agreement with what God is saying to me? This is why when you don't know what to do about parenting, you got to know what the Bible says about parenting. When you don't know what to do about your finances, you got to exhaust what the counsel of the scriptures say about your finances because it's hard to understand what God is saying if you don't understand what God has already said. You got to get into the word of God and understand the word of God. But then, number two, we interpret God's revelation together. We say this around, we gotta, we gotta know that we're better together. We are better together. And because we're better together, we gotta be together. We gotta make, make some time and make room in our lives to actually be with people. I had this happen this past week. Somebody came and said, hey, I, I just, I feel like God showed me this. We sat down and talked through it. You know, there's this idea, that it's a cultural idea, it's an American ideal that we are all independent. And that is not the way the Bible talks about us. When the Bible uses that, that metaphor of a body, a hand is no good without the body. A foot is no good without the body. An eye is no good without the body. We're not independent, we're interdependent. Romans 12, verse 6, I read this last week. In Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Last week, I, I had a dear friend that came and sat down. 
and they slid a paper across the table, and they were, they were crying. I just feel like God's been speaking to me. And they, they, I don't know what this means. I just, it, it's, I've struggled through, can you, can you help me? And, and, and you know what? It, it took them literally a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability to do that. But when they did that, just something, God had been speaking to me about something, and it was as if in that moment God just brought a little bit of vision together and made it clear. Sometimes you, you got to have a friend in your life that when God's speaking to you and showing you something, somebody that loves Jesus, you can go sit down and say, I, I don't know what this means, but I just feel like God's been, been showing me this. And you know what? We are truly better together. We're stronger together. And so we need to have the vulnerability and the, the, just that capacity to go, I, can you help me? Can you help me? We interpret what God is showing us together. And then number three, let the Holy Spirit guide you towards the interpretation. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. We need a relationship with God where when something feels a little murky and a little confusing and we don't quite get it yet, we can go to God and say, God, would you, would you help me get there? I want to understand. You know that God promises that this, this spirit that he's cultivating within us is not a spirit of confusion. God does not want you to be confused. In John 16, Jesus, speaking about the Holy Spirit, said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I was praying over that as I was studying for this message, and I realized that if the Holy Spirit is going to guide me into truth, that might mean that there's some areas in my life right now that I'm not in the truth. And I'm going to need him to guide me. And you know, a lot of times that, that interpretation part, it's all about the journey. It's all about like, what is God going to do in my heart and in me as I work towards what, what he's revealed, towards what I need to share? And then that's that last question. How, how should we share what God has revealed to us. And, and we've talked about this a lot, but if you're taking notes, I'd write this down again. Always share God's words with truth and love. I've said this a lot over the last few weeks. Truth without love is mean. Love without truth is meaningless. All right, we, we've got to be people of truth and love. The, the Bible says in Ephesians, when we speak to each other, let's speak with truth in love. And so I just want to remind you again that, that the prophetic gift is at its heart concerned with building people up, not tearing people down. When God shows you something, that the initiation of, of what God is wanting to accomplish is, is not to kind of help you read somebody's mail so that you can tear them down and tell them everything that's going wrong in their life. God wants to speak through you, and the Bible is so clear about this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, that the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. God wants to speak through you in a way that, that actually comes and, and strengthens and encourages and comforts others. And then we got, we got to do this. We got to, number two, how do we do this? We got to be careful and patient, waiting for the right time. You know, one of the wrong perspectives of the Holy Spirit is historically called cessationism. It's this belief that 
And it's wrong, okay? This is not true. That the, the work of the Holy Spirit ended with the apostles. And that God only did that in the first century, uh, really to try to empower the church as it was coming into existence. That, that's a, a, really not a very accurate reading of the canon of Scripture. But, but people who teach that, one of the things that they'll say is that the only role of the Holy Spirit in, in this day is actually to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is, is listed in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And, and I, I want to say this, okay, that's not true, but this is true. You cannot fully enjoy the gifts of the Spirit if you're not living in the fruit of the Spirit. You'll never be able to actualize the gifts that God given you until you're living in the fruit of a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And one of those fruits is patience. One of those fruits is patience. That, that means that from time to time, I'm going to have to sit on a word that God gave me. I know I need to say, but, but I got to wait for the right time. I gotta wait wait for a time when I can I can say it in truth and love. And I gotta wait for, for the time when God's prepared the way for that conversation. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that allows me to do that. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What if the word of God came alive in your life? What would it look like tomorrow morning if you woke up and you just sensed the voice of God speaking over your day? Son, I love you. Daughter, I have purposes for you this day. There's eternity in this moment. There are things for you today that, that I planned in eternity. There are people that you're going to come in contact with. There are opportunities I don't want you to miss. What would it look like in your family, in your marriage, in your career, in your neighborhood, in your friendships? So can I just give you just some simple next steps today? Simple next steps. Number one, ask God for the gift of prophecy. Some of you are like, what? I never thought I'd be asking God for that. <laughs> but you know what? The very first verse of, of that chapter that we've looked at, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Do you, you, that phrase is translated into eagerly desire. You know what that, it actually means to lust for. The, the Bible is telling you that you have permission from God to long for the things of God. Especially, and it and, and makes this especially prophecy. Ask God for the gift of prophecy. God, help me to speak your word into the lives of people that are around me. And then here's another thing ask God for a word for somebody you love to encourage them. I mean, ask God. God, would you give me a word? I, I want to I I talk. I want to speak something into their life that leaves them encouraged and empowered and strengthened and comforted. God, would you do that through me? 
If you're married in here, I'm gonna give you a little, little assignment. All right, if you're married, you need to be going on some dates, okay? Number one, that's how you got in that predicament of being married. And you don't, if you're gonna get out of it, stop dating. Okay, but if you wanna stay in it, you gotta keep dating, all right? So you probably need to have a date on the horizon. How about the next time you know you're going out on a date? I want y'all to say, hey, you know what? Once you pray and ask God to give you a word for me, and I'm gonna pray and ask God to give me a word for you. And go out to dinner and sit down. I'm gonna talk about your favorite TV show, talk about the kids for a little bit, but then sit down and just, God, I, I just want you to know that, that God spoke to me and he wants you to know that he loves you, that he sees, he sees all, I mean, just speak it into their lives. And I, I promise you that you're gonna walk away from that moment with some tears and full hearts. Can I just talk to parents for a second? Especially dads. Could it, could it be that we're raising kids that have a hard time hearing the voice of God because as parents, especially as dads, we've never spoken the word of God over our kids. Every season of your parenting, you need to be praying, God, give me a word for my kids. Give me something to speak into their lives. Give me something for them. God, I don't want them to go through this season and speak into them what God gives you. I see something in you. God is bringing a character in you, a calling in you, and speak it into their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit as God gives you that word over them. If you run a business, if you're an employer, you're a boss. Imagine literally walking into your, your place of employment and looking at your employees, praying, God, give me a word for them. And looking at them going, you know what? I mean, even if you're in a secular environment where you can't evoke the name of Jesus, just I want you to know that all the stuff you're doing that nobody sees is seen. And there's, there's a reward that's coming for your faithfulness. And you know what happens when that, when that reward shows up and they go, how did, how did you know that? How'd, how'd you know that's going? Well, you know what? I, I felt like God wanted me to tell you that. I just want you to know he loves you. Which means, I mean, we, we've got to be willing to take some chance in this, to pray over it, which is why I would, I would just simply say a simple next step is practice the prophetic. Some of y'all are going, but, but what if I get this wrong? Well, I mean, the, the, the intended purpose of this is to what? To encourage somebody, to comfort somebody, to strengthen somebody. Listen, if you get it wrong and your whole purpose is, I just want to encourage you, get it wrong. Because we need more of that kind of getting it wrong. I mean, get in somebody's life and encourage them. You might miss it. It's okay. Keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. Why? Realize that this is, uh, this is always going to be intimately connected to your relationship with God. Always. Dads, listen, you cannot speak the Word of God into your kids' lives if you don't have the Word of God in you. Spouses, when you sit down to look in the heart of your spouse, you can't give them something you don't have.
You can't give them something you don't have. This is all connected to your relationship with God. You will not be able to speak the Word of God when you're not close to God. So right now, can we just pray together? God, we just come humbly before you and we confess that for some of us, God, we are, we are not in the relationship with you that we need to have. We, we want to speak your words into the lives of people we love. But God, we don't have your love inside of us because we're not being loved by you. We don't have your word inside of us because we're not spending time in your word. We, we don't even have your word, your voice, because we're not spending time listening to you. All we're doing is spouting off our own opinions. But God, give us your words. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.